If you enjoy spoiling your chickens, keeping your chicken first aid kit up to date, and getting fun surprises for yourself, you'll want to jump on the Henny and Roo bandwagon. Henny and Roo is a monthly box put together by chicken keepers for chicken keepers and their flocks. Each month, you'll receive products that may not be available at your local feed store. To help build up your poultry first aid kit, try new treats and coop products to keep your flock happy and healthy. And there's always a gift for the humans, too. So go to honeyandroo.com and save 10% off your first box using code DRINKANDFARM at checkout. As a subscriber, you can also visit the honeyandroo.com shop anytime to purchase select items and save 10% off everything. Honey and Roo, better chicken keeping delivered. Sam. Oh, hey, Beth. What you drinking over there? You're going to like this because it totally fits with our theme today. Oh, yeah. And you can laugh when you get it. Okay. It's a Brewdog Punk IPA. Do I get it? (laughs) I don't know. You know, (laughs) we're talking about some pretty punky creatures today. Okay, okay, okay. Now I get it. (laughs) Sorry that my brain was just not ready for your for your quick wit today. You know what? I should have known that that was going to land that way because I told it to my husband and he didn't laugh either. So maybe it was just a bad joke. Oh boy! So what'd you open over there? So I have a rogue ales, just a pinch which is a session sour ale made with hand-harvested salt from Newport's Yaquina Bay. And I probably Mm. pronounced that wrong. But it's like ocean sea salt. So it's a salty sour, and it's so good. Mm. It's like two of my favorite things in the world, salt and sour, in a beer form. So good. Good choice. Good choice. And welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. From hobby farmers to large-scale real-deal farmers. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you, ensure the mistakes we've made, and the new knowledge we gain, so hopefully you don't feel so alone in this farm thing. And sometimes we go off on non-farming related tangents, but we cut a lot of those and stick them up on our Patreon. And this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. So go to patreon.com slash drink and farm and check that out. And if you're not a Patreon, we highly encourage that you can start at $2 a month or there's some other fun levels like one that can get you a t-shirt every month. I mean, I really like t-shirts, so. (laughs) Oh, I do too. I mean, obviously we like t-shirts. We come up with a new design every month. Yes. Which, by the way, I have to give a shout out to our listener, Heather Caldwell, that helped us design the March shirt. Um, It was really exciting to get to work with someone to design a t-shirt and -hmm. also like when we started this thing we didn't think we'd get to you know like help other people in their small businesses with it but now we're like getting to that point and I don't know that's exciting to me very and she created a very cute pig that looks a lot like ham ham and he's got a very handsome bandana on so you'll have to go check that shirt out uh, you can check that out at drinkandfarm.com slash shop and go get you one. Yes. And one more tiny Patreon tangent. Uh, it's almost gifty month. Yes. Yeah. If you want in on the Patreon gifties, you'll want to join now. All active Patreon peeps at the gifty level or above will get a gift uh, sometime in April, as long as they're an active gifty peep for the April 1st cycle. So that's that. 
And I'm pretty excited about them. Not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me too. And speaking of the Patreon, our drink peep this episode is our friend Katie over at Sticky Holler Farm. So cheers, Katie. Cheers. All right. I do have a little bit of follow up. Mm. Okay. What's you got to follow up on? I have a barn quilt square pattern. Ooh. How did you decide? So it wasn't a super easy decision. I kept (laughs) coming up with all of these really like complicated things. (laughs) (laughs) But I wanted something that I felt like represented me and my family and our farm and our barn. Like there's a lot of things that I was trying to incorporate into like one square. Um, (laughs) But I think we found it. In the Carpenter's Wheel, which is a classic quilt square pattern. I don't know how else to describe that. Yeah, quilt square pattern. That's right. Yeah, I just Googled it, and it's pretty cool. It's a solid choice, but it looks like it's crazy because, like, the pattern's the same, but it's like you could do so many different things with the colors. They look different. Yep, exactly. So it was really cool the way that we created it. So Jared's really good at like precision stuff. So he had graph paper and a ruler and he looked at a picture online and put it onto graph paper for us. Mm. And then he made photocopies of it and everyone in the family has colored in probably three or four a piece at this point. We've done a a ton of them. I have like, I have quilt squares all over the place in the house right now. We haven't settled (laughs) on a color pattern, but I'm hoping that we'll find one soon. I was going to go pick up the paint for it today because I happen to be in town for something, but we hadn't settled on colors yet. So I was like, nope, I'm going to wait until we're sure that we've got like, the colors laid out the way that we want them because I need to get the right number of colors because there's several different ways you can do that quilt square. And then once we've got that, I'll go buy them and hopefully we can start getting it put together. Sounds like fun. Yeah. And we're going to do it the old school way with the wood and polyurethane. So uh, in no time, it's going to look properly weathered and I can start telling people that my great grandfather like brought it over from Germany or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I like a good story behind a work of art. (laughs) Right. So do I. So instead of just telling people that we cheaped out on materials, I'll tell them it's old. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So this week... Uh, we have a f- rather interesting topic, I would say, and and I know you're probably all just dying to know after Bev's bad beer joke, um, what exactly we're going to talk about. <laughs> but with it almost being springtime, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but I have on my farm, all of the animals are getting these sudden like surges of hormones, especially the male animals, and I started noticing it in my roosters today too, as well as my ducks. So that just means there's going to be lots of duck dick flying around soon. <laughs> um, but today we want to talk about how many roosters is too many roosters, what to do with rude roosters, and how Bev is solving that too many roosters problem on her farm. Yeah. So now if anybody didn't get the joke, I picked a punk IPA because the roosters are pretty punk right now (laughs) or at least they are on my farm (laughs) yes yes they are and mine haven't been too bad diablo our crusted polish uh he started getting a little cocky with me today so i feel like because it's gonna start warming up we're gonna have like 40s we're gonna touch over 50 a little bit this next week. They already sense it coming and the snow is melting and we're going back to mud farm mode. So it's like I'm convinced they're just because the ladies have started laying again too, they're just starting to do their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, exactly. And you know, I call roosters punks, but it's not because I don't like them. It's because the way that they behave is just part of their biology. Yes. So we're gonna cover that today. And since we're partnering with the hatchery, My Pet Chicken, this year, we thought it would be fun to see if they had any articles that could support the conversation. And they totally delivered. Uh, So quick shout out to MPC for their wealth of information. 
And if you're looking to grow or start your flock this year, go to mypetchicken.com slash farm to let them know we sent you when you go check out their wide variety of poultry that you can order. Yes. So as we have established, roosters can be pretty aggressive. But why are they aggressive? Mm, because cock is in their name. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I always thought cocky came from acting like a rooster. Does it not? I mean, I think it does. Okay. I think it does too. It would make sense because roosters can just be dicks. Uh, (laughs) But it's important to remember that they see themselves as protectors for their hens. So they may not take kindly to something that scares the girls or causes them to squawk. Basically, it's their jobs to be a-holes sometimes. Yeah, and if you spend any time out there with your chickens and you have roosters, you'll see this behavior displayed pretty clearly. Like, I always use a bucket to feed the goats. And one time I accidentally swung it just a little too, like, far towards the chickens, like, while I was walking. (laughs) And a rooster saw and, like, came and went straight for the bucket. It was really interesting. He didn't go for me. He went for the bucket. And I was like, oh, whoa, dude, I wasn't, like, trying to hit your hens with it I just I got too close on accident like while I was walking by sorry (laughs) but yeah he saw the bucket as a threat and went for it yeah and not only do they watch for ground predators like buckets or dogs um, (laughs) but they also look for dangers from above like hawks so something like carrying a feed bag over your shoulder or taking off a hat quickly could cause their protective instincts to kick in Especially when they're young and they're still trying to learn all of these um, feelings that they're having inside. (laughs) Feelings is a great way to describe it because I think that their instinct tells them that certain motions are dangerous Mm -hmm. and they don't know why and they don't have any experience to draw from. So like when you think your rooster is an idiot or an asshole for attacking you because you threw your hat off, like to him, it was a flying predator that was going to eat one of his hens. Right. Exactly. And roosters do try to protect their hens by doing that flogging behavior. Um, They can also alert the flock to predators vocally. And sometimes they'll even be the first to engage the predator Um, whether it's a bucket or a hawk or a human. Um, Many roosters will go through a period at about five or six months old when they suddenly become more aggressive. And this is because they're reaching sexual maturity and they suddenly have all these new hormones racing through their bodies and they begin crowing, among other things. So roosters will settle down somewhat after a few months, after they kind of balance those hormones out, because, you know they've kind of gotten used to managing it. But sometimes they don't really ever grow out of it. Yeah, I think some roosters are just naturally more aggressive than others. And that can be a really hard thing to handle on, especially on like small farms like what we have. Because we literally have no use for roosters that don't allow you to go outside and enjoy your chicken TV or drink with your hens or do simple things like feed them. (laughs) Yeah. So one of the reasons why roosters can be extra a-hole-ish is because you might have too many. Um, So that protective instinct can actually get out of hand when there's too many roosters. So what's a chicken tender to do? Well, You can start off by making sure your hen to rooster ratio is on point. Uh, So if you only have a flock of five or seven birds, you don't want more than two uh, roosters. Even then it might be a little intense. Generally, especially when you want to keep multiple roosters, you should have 10 or 12 hens for each male in your flock. And that will enable the rooster to have plenty of hens without worrying too much about competition from the rivals. And it'll be enough where the chickens or the hens, I should say, don't get overbred because too few hens for a rooster can cause some issues like broken feathers, bare backs or necks or even other kinds of injuries. Yeah, because the roosters can be pretty rough with your mm-hmm. hens. Like, have you ever seen them grab onto the comb and like <gasps> yank? Like, I Ugh. that every time I see that, I want to like 
kick him off of her because I'm like, stop it, you're going to hurt her. (laughs) But of course I don't. So uh, one of the things that you're going to want to also do if you have multiple roosters is you have to make sure that you have plenty of space for them. So no matter what, if you have more than one rooster, there's going to be the occasional squabble. And for the most part, that's totally fine. But the squabbles can get really dangerous if they feel cramped or don't have enough space to move around in. So even if there's plenty of hens, you can still see serious problems if there is a shortage on space. And with multiple roosters, you want to make sure that you have more than just the recommended bare minimum of space, which I can't even remember what that minimum space is off of the top of my head right now. Um it's a couple square feet like per bird. Yeah. You want to double or triple that when you have multiple roosters in your flock. So it's two to three square feet per chicken inside the coop run and then eight to okay. ten square feet per chicken in an outside run. So that's a pretty, pretty big run. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is. That's a super big run for, for multiple roosters because – the testosterone fueled aggression can get really out of hands in a spot where they feel like they're constantly fighting mm-hmm. for territory. Um, and when there's plenty of space, when one rooster becomes like, you know, too tedious with his showmanship and flirtation, <laughs> the other roosters can just lead their hens away, you know, and so that they're not tempted or whatever. And then it makes it so that they don't get so aggressive with each other. <laughs> Walk away, ladies. Walk away. (laughs) (laughs) So the other thing to consider is that if you have neither the appropriate number of hens nor the appropriate amount of space, you can keep multiple roosters together by having no hens. And this is an arrangement you might have if you keep a flock of roosters for exhibition. So rather than having a flock of hens for the purpose of laying, you have a bunch of roosters that you like to show off. Uh, But with no hens to compete for, multiple roosters often live together in peace. Yeah. And another thing that you can do is you can raise roosters together in your flock. Um, Roosters that are raised together can establish a pecking order within themselves as they're growing up. And since they've already established that order, there's less incentive for them to fight when they're older. Because when they're older, they're more likely to hurt one another by sparring. Another option is, is you can add new roosters to your flock relatively painlessly if they're raised by a hen in your flock. So, you know, hatched by a broody hen. Um, Because if they're introduced to your flock when they're young, before reaching sexual maturity, uh, then they are automatically just kind of accepted by the rest of the flock instead of having to come in as strangers. Because When you add adult roosters to your flock, when there already are roosters, a new rooster will be regarded as an invader. And that's not just by the roosters. It's going to be by all the hens as well. So you're going to have to go through that whole pain and suffering of Mm -hmm. introducing new flock members. But with a rooster, it adds a whole nother element because it's a new flock member that has like knives strapped to his feet. Not real knives, but those I mean, spurs are they pretty. They can do damage. Yeah, they can do yeah. damage. They'll cut you. <laughs> oh yeah, I totally have a scar that goes from mid thigh down to my calf from a Ooh, rooster. So, <laughs> ouch. Um, and then there's just you know a really terrible fact that some roosters are too aggressive to get along with other roosters, no matter how ideal you make the conditions for them. There are just some breeds that tend to produce very aggressive roosters that are prone to fighting one another and other breeds that are more gentle. Uh, For example, game breeds often have aggressive roosters. Uh, Rhode Island Reds are notoriously aggressive roosters. Um, Easter Eggers and Americanas don't always get along well with multiple roosters in their flock either. Uh, But there are some favorites out there that are better um, if you're going to have multiple roosters in a flock, like Plymouth Rocks, Morans, Orpingtons, Austerloops, Silkies, and Brahmas. So just be mindful. I know it can be super hard, especially this time of year when it's chick days and, you know, there's straight run. 
Rhode Island reds that are just so cute and peeping, peeping, and peeping. Like maybe go for the straight run silkies <laughs> if you're okay with co- with coming out with multiple roosters that you might have to deal with in the near future. <laughs> yeah, and something else to keep in mind too. Like, so this is just based off of like, uh, what's what I'm looking for? The experience of multiple other chicken keepers. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a rooster that bucks the tide so like i know of someone that has a wonderful easter egg or rooster that they love and is a great flock head and does fine with other roosters but that's not going to be the common story based on what other people have experienced so just keep that in mind if someone says oh but my rhode island red rooster is wonderful that's super great for that person (laughs) right Chances are that's not going to be your experience. Yeah. My lavender Orpington is an asshole to other roosters and to me seasonally. And they say in this article that Orpingtons do a great job with other roosters. (laughs) So, you know, they just they at the end of the day, they do what they want. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's important to remember there are creatures that have their own uh, personalities. Yes. So you can't fit them in a box just like people. I mean, it's a simpler personality. I'm not saying roosters are people, yeah. but. <laughs> no, Bev, we would have to have a like a heart to heart if you were saying roosters were people. <laughs> yeah, especially because of what I've done with my roosters. So, <laughs> yeah. But there are ways to deal with an obnoxious rooster situation um, if maybe too many isn't your issue. So one thing you can try to do, and this technique has been pretty hit or miss for my flock, I will say, but it's worth a shot. Um, So one thing that often works is carefully picking the rooster up and carrying him around while you're doing chicken chores or just walking around the property. So you can do something like refilling the feeder or check for eggs while you carry them around. And the idea is to place yourself at the top of the pecking order without engaging in aggressive chicken behaviors like fighting, stamping at them, or kicking. You know, kicking or stamping at them is not only kind of mean, but it'll he might interpret the behavior and challenge you even more. Because suddenly, oh, you want to fight? Let's go. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And you can see it on their faces. Oh, yeah. When they think you're going to go for it. Like, if you've ever challenged a rooster, it changes immediately when they think that you're going to be aggressive with them. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it... It's hard not to react that way, especially when you're new to rooster behavior. And I'm still guilty of it. Sometimes it's like a knee-jerk reaction to just put your foot out. Well, and sometimes you have to because some roosters won't quit and you can't run from them. The biggest mistake you can make with a rooster (laughs) is running from them because the minute you run from them, they know that they won. So they'll chase after you every time they see you. And it takes forever to break that. I made that mistake the first time Stephen Rue (laughs) chased me. And that guy limps and I still ran from him. And then I think it was like six months of going out there with a snow shovel, like to block him from from getting at me because he did. He was ruthless after that. And then he eventually calmed down. But it took way more work because Mm -hmm. I ran from him than it would have if I had just stood my ground and gently patted him away. But honestly, it's really hard to gently love tap a rooster with your foot while it's attacking you chances are you're gonna do a couple of hard hard puns because that's just there's a lot of adrenaline and it's scary (laughs) he'll keep coming at you too so you got to be careful when you're taking this approach to pick them up because they might try to like jump up and flog you in the face they can jump pretty high too so you want to make sure maybe they're distracted by some grublies or something (laughs) while you're trying to pick them up Good advice. And in fact, so I've tried this picking up method in my flock as well. But because I had so many roosters, it was really difficult to like rotate through picking them up. And also they free range. And have you ever tried to catch a free range rooster? Oh, yeah. Unless they want (laughs) to be picked up, which they probably don't because they're busy doing their job. Mm -hmm. It is really tough. (laughs) And they can run so fast. Like you think cheetahs are fast? Watch a rooster run. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think they like run slightly faster than a human can. And then when it's this time of the year and everything's muddy, like somebody pull out the camera and send it into America's Funniest Home Video because it's (laughs) a sight to see. (laughs) 
it is. <laughs> so, Bev, I know that you've touched and hinted on, like, you have too many roosters. So, what are what have you been trying to do to create more kumbaya on your farm? So, after we did this research, I realized that I was making a lot of mistakes with my roosters without even meaning to. So... I have four roosters and 10 hens, which is a little off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I hatched all of my roosters. Mm -hmm. That's how I ended up with them. So like, first of all, I felt like they were my responsibility because I hatched them. So it was like, I'm not going to try to send them off to a sanctuary where I think they're going to live this great life because they're not. Sanctuaries are overrun by roosters as well. So like taking that approach, is just kind of like taking the problem of too many roosters and just transferring it to somebody else. Mm. And like, I genuinely like my roosters. Like they're all really pretty. I like their crow. And we have a pretty good thing going now because the roosters don't attack me because I have finally figured out how to respond to them and react and behave around them in a way that doesn't elicit them like running across the yard at me. But Mm -hmm. that's only true for me. That is not the case for everybody else. So like my eight-year-old can't go outside and play anymore. Because the minute the roosters see her, because she's ran from all of them at some point, (laughs) they just bolt across the yard for her. And then she, like, runs screaming even more. And it's, like, it's terrifying for her. Like, I don't want to make her go through that. Like, that's just cruel. I know. I think, like, they talk about how, oh, well, my grandpa used to watch the rooster chase me around and laugh. And that's what we should do with our kids. Like, no, I don't want to intentionally, like, cause her trauma. (laughs) and, And I've seen your roosters, too. And some of mine are also very big. And when yeah. you got a gangly little kid, because my stepkids are like green beans, string beans. They are tall and thin. Um, mm-hmm. So they can run too. But my Orpington is like 15 pounds and can probably knock him over if he oh, hit him yeah. hard enough. So it's like, and they've been scared of him before too. And I've had to like walk them to the porch because he is watching them. <laughs> so Oh, yeah. So I totally get it. It's not like it. It is kind of funny if it happens briefly, but when it's a continuous problem and it makes them <laughs> yeah. not want to go outside, that's when it's not okay. Yeah, because like that's the whole reason why we have a farm is so they yeah. can go outside and play in it, right? That way they're not yes. inside the house like playing video games all day. <laughs> oh my gosh, the winter kills me with that too. It's like I want to tell them to go outside, but. You know, when it's like 20 degrees outside, I don't want to go outside either. So Yeah, I don't want to. So yes, <laughs> when it's spring and summer, you want everybody to go outside and have fun. Yeah, and it was causing problems too for like people that come to visit. Like my neighbor, she grows a garden and she wants to give all of our chickens her leftovers that they're not going to use. And I mm. want her to do that too. But yeah. she won't come over while the roosters are out because they won't Aww. stop attacking her. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I don't want to do that to my neighbor. So like yeah. my kids aren't getting to enjoy the yard. My neighbor's not getting to enjoy the yard. When we went on vacation um, as a family, we went and did like a little long weekend at Great Wolf Lodge. I just locked the chickens up with extra food and water and didn't ask anybody to take care of them because I didn't want Mm. anybody else to have to deal with the roosters. Yeah. And that was kind of when I was like, all right, I have to change something because like now I'm not able to go on vacation. Right. (laughs) Like only long enough so that the chickens can survive without human interaction for, you know, a certain number of days. And it was three days, which felt kind of long to me, but they did fine. I mean, they didn't seem to notice. So, yeah. And you have that handy dandy automatic coop door too. So it's not like they were stuck in the coop the whole time, right? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. They were able to go in and out yeah. inside the run. I mean, with nobody home, if someone got locked outside, they just have to sleep in the run for a night. Tough but even that's out. not that big of a deal. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they can do it. <laughs> so, yeah. So I have my awful roo- rooster ratio. They've like proven that they just. They, they want to protect their hens, and that's fine. I totally understand that. But I decided that rather than try to give them to somebody else and make them their problem, since I actually do enjoy my roosters, I'm trying to set up a bachelor rooster pad right now. Mm-hmm. So I did move them all out into the goat pasture. And 
it was surprisingly easy. Like, I think I was putting it off because I thought I was going to have to, like, do all this crazy stuff, like, build them another coop and put together a new feeding system and, like, figure all this stuff out. Because, you know, goats can't have chicken feed or at least not a lot of chicken feed because chicken feed is not really great for them. Um, So I'm like, how am I going to make this work? I basically just brought the roosters over the fence and let them go. And they go sleep in the goat shed when they want shelter. (laughs) And they're totally fine. I mean, for the most part, they've been sleeping outside. But I have found them in the shelter a handful of times. So they're figuring it out. And as for the feeding, like, I just only bring a small, like, cup out full of chicken feed and I spread it for them. And the roosters all go for it. The goats go for it, too, because the goats have figured out the chicken feed tastes good. But it's not enough to make the goats sick. So Mm -hmm. I figure for now, that's going to be fine. And the roosters don't need laying feed anyways, because they don't lay eggs. Right. And as long as it's not medicated feed, like, you're right. I think it's okay for the goats to have a little bit. Yeah, no, it's not medicated feed. It's uh, it's the protein, uh, the high protein feed for the feather fixers because all of the oh. all of the roosters were doing so much feather damage. I switched my flock to feather fixer. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's high protein for the goats, which is probably a little better. But yeah, I've, I've been distracting the goats with their black oil sunflower seeds, and that's been kind of getting them away from the chicken feed. So I'm kind of slowly figuring that out. I'll eventually put in a feeder that the goats can't get their heads into that just the chickens like, you know, can put their beaks into, but I haven't figured out like how to install that yet. Um, And honestly, since I moved them into the pasture, I haven't been flocked once. Really? And yeah, which feels really weird. Like I know that we were having a like the roosters and I were already having a pretty good relationship before I put them in there. But still, like I'd swing an arm too far or take a hat off or, you know, do like any quick movement and they'd be on me. Mm-hmm. But now I can hang out out there and not one of them even acts like they're going to come and flog me. Even the one that keeps getting out. We have two roosters that keep getting over the fence. <laughs> So we've been trying to figure out how to keep them in because the hens are locked up from free ranging until we figure out how to keep all the roosters in. Because now that we've separated them, mm-hmm. we do not want the roosters to think that those hens are theirs anymore. Oh, okay. So, we, so the hens are staying locked up until I can figure out how to get everybody to stay in the pasture, which leads us to our next topic of discussion, which is clipping wings. Yes. So I've never done this before. I've thought about it. Because some of my bantam chickens can be quite naughty and fly up to the top of Cluckingham Palace, which if you've seen pictures of that before, it's like a shed. It's pretty (laughs) tall. It is. Um, And we've had some like fly up into trees like way up high when it's like a negative wind chill and sleep up there for the night because we could not get them down so it's something I've thought about but we've just never done it before yeah and I was a little afraid to clip the wings because I thought like oh well how cruel like maybe they're not gonna be able to escape from a predator or whatnot well my roosters weren't really flying all that much anyways and there's plenty of things for them to hide under so Mm -hmm. if they needed to get away from a predator I feel fairly confident that even with a clipped wing they could do it. So we were like, yeah, let's give these roosters every chance we can because we like them. Let's clip wings and see if that will keep them in. So that's what we decided to do. So how was that? Because I've I've obviously read an article about it now and I've seen pictures of which ones to cut. But what is it like to actually do it? And how did the roosters behave? Oh, it was super easy. Um, My husband helped me with it. So he would hold the rooster down and we did it inside. We we put the milking stand inside a barn, uh, inside a barn stall. Mm -hmm. And that has actually been super handy. The milking stand is even like the chicken first aid center because it's the perfect height for the chickens to sit on and us to like stand over them and do work. So he put the rooster down on the milking stand and held them down with both hands and let one wing go. Mm. And because they were trapped, they weren't really fighting. So they just left their wing out. And then I used my left hand to stretch the wing all the way out. And when you stretch the wing out, you can see really clearly the difference between the main feathers and the flight feathers. So I'm facing a chicken and the chicken's head is facing me 
And I'm working on the wing that's on the right. So I have it spread all the way out. And all of the really long feathers that are right in front of the really teeny tiny short feathers are all of the flight feathers. And there's all these great diagrams online. And in fact, I um, I posted some photos and like a little arrow that drew along the area where I cut the flight feathers mm. as like a diagram. Maybe I'll figure out how to like add that to a highlight or something so people can go back to it if they want to see it. But I just use a pair of scissors that I use to cut the twine on the hay and just snipped ah. all the way up in like an arc shape towards the back of their wing. So I started at the front and worked my way back. And because the feathers were so long, uh, there was like no worry of hitting blood feathers it's not the fall time, so it's not the molt, so I don't have to worry about clipping feathers that are still developing or growing because those will have a blood cuticle inside of them. And if you cut a blood feather, you're going to end up with like a pretty bloody mess on your hands. You're going to probably need some blood stop powder. and It'll probably cause a little bit of pain too, but they didn't flinch. Nothing. And I was a little conservative with my cutting. I didn't cut very close to the main feathers because I was mm -hmm. trying to leave as much on them as possible. But I'm going to have to go back and reclip one of them uh so we clipped two roosters one rooster has not escaped since we clipped him and one of the roosters is still escaping so we're going to catch him again and clip him just a tad shorter <laughs> and see if that helps because we only wanted to take what we needed because also right. when you when you clip feathers sometimes it's hard for them to molt out because you know they do their preening to pull their feathers out during the mm. molt and when the feather's shorter they don't have as much like grip or space to get a hold of it so sometimes those can be kind of hard to fall out so you might need to help remove those feathers that have been clipped come fall time um but yeah so that's why i left him a little longer and i only clipped one wing because i heard that they would be off balance if you only clipped one okay and if you clipped both they'd be balanced so they could quite possibly still get a little bit of air so i don't know I haven't seen any of them flap since I've clipped, so I have no idea like how off balance they are, but they still walk and like do everything else fine and run. So, yeah. Yeah. As long as they're not getting over the fence, then it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. That's all I want from them is to not get over the fence. So I'm going to clip this one again. And then if I still can't figure out how to keep them in, I did figure out where they're getting out of. It's the gate. We have like a, oh. uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's a it's a mesh gate so that the goats can't get through it. Mm -hmm. But then there's like an arc bar on the top of it. <laughs> and it's short enough that they can flap up to land on the lower part of the gate. And then they flap up again to get on the top of the gate. And then they can just oh, walk across it and smart. get to the fence and then get over it. Yeah. I found chicken feet prints on the gate. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I discovered how they were getting out. I was like, why is there mud all over the gate? And then I looked. I was like, oh. <gasps> There's chicken, chicken feet. feet. <laughs> You're just a detective, and I like it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, well, now I'm not so mad at all the mud. <laughs> so, yeah, we hope that that helps anybody else that may be suffering from the too many rooster problem. Um, I know that when we extend our fence and separate the boy goats, I'm I'm thinking of throwing some of our male roosters in there, too. So it can just be one big bachelor pad. Um, and then the flock that I'm going to get from my pet chicken at the end of April, I'm going to keep in the ladies area. Uh, so it'll be an interesting experiment when I get to try that out to see if they act a little more kindly towards me too. Yeah, I'm looking forward to my husband came home and he went out to them and they didn't flog him either. So... I'm feeling pretty positive about Good. this change. And I think it's going to work because honestly, I, I don't want to have to dispatch these roosters because I do like them. Yeah. I wouldn't hesitate if I had one that I thought was like really actually going to hurt someone or just like never, mm -hmm. ever let off because you, we have to put the people first right on our farms and the enjoyment of our farms and our ability to do the work that we want to and need to do so mm -hmm. so there you have it if you have any interesting rooster stories for us or any other advice on how to manage this situation that isn't a chicken rescue or put them in the crock pot because we know those are options we're looking for more creative yeah. solutions <laughs> um, yeah. send those to us at drink gmail.com 
And now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. Woohoo! Yay! So, who do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? How yeah, let's let's have you go first. Okay. So, I found this on Brad's Facebook and Brad is the host of the TV show Coop Dreams and obviously Coop Camp. Um, But I saw this on his Facebook and I was just scrolling, scrolling and I stopped because there's this picture and an article and the article's title is Photographer Captures Moment Mother Owl Takes Baby Duckling After Mistaking a Duck's Egg for Its Own. Oh, <laughs> and it's so cute. So you guys are going to have to click the article in the show notes to see how cute this is. Um, but I'll read some of the article. It says on discovering the unlikely pair, the photographer's first thought was that the predatory owl might end up feeding on the duckling. Um, but obviously that isn't true. <laughs> it's not oh my gosh, happen. I just clicked on it. It's the most adorable Isn't thing I've ever Isn't it adorable? Seen. Like, yeah, the little duck is, like, looking at the owl, like, are you my mommy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so wildlife uh, sanctuary owners asked the photographer to try to catch the duckling so they could take care of the, the little guy or girl. Um, but the photographer tried to do so. The duckling jumped out of the box, quickly waddled over towards a nearby pond, and hasn't been seen since. Um, but thankfully the evidence of the unlikely relationship remains and is sure to spark up conversations about mother nature for years to come. Um, and I thought this was kind of neat. It goes on to say, although it's strange, it is not uncommon to find wood ducks in other nests. And this is because all living things are wired to reproduce and preserve their bloodlines. So the wood ducks takes this a step forward by not putting all of their eggs in one place and often lay eggs in other birds' nests in the hope that some will hatch. So this is common. This isn't something that's commonly documented, but it happens quite often. Um, so you could think of it as not keeping all your eggs in one basket. Basket. Uh, <laughs> so they spread out their eggs, so there is an, an increasing chance of their genes being, you know, carried on, especially if you lose an egg to a predator. Um, and the owl's super normal stimuli push them to nurture the egg without realizing that she's sitting on the wrong eggs. And although it's impossible to know what a wild owl owl may be thinking <laughs> but the parent might be thinking oh my god this egg is huge we're going to have the best baby in the world <laughs> direct <laughs> quote from the article um so yeah so it, it, that was really cool like nature information and it's just really cute to see this adorable owl in a little duckling but yeah it's like the circle of life it does some weird stuff sometimes but it's so adorable I think I've heard of wood ducks before because I have heard of something similar to that, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, but that's super cool. And ducklings are just, they're like so floofy and adorable. Ugh. So seeing them with like any bird of prey of any kind is just kind of striking. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm real scared to go into tractor supply because they have chicks and ducklings right now. <laughs> it's chick days. And my husband is going to TSC today, and I'm almost thankful it's not me because I would be super tempted, and I do not need any more of that right now. <laughs> Just keep remembering that you're getting some at the end of April. I am, and none of them will be roosters. <laughs> exactly. The joys of ordering like yes. straight from a place that has them separated for you. <laughs> yes. So, Bev, what can't you even about? So my can't even this week is that a, a humane society promised to make a bad original drawing of your pet for a $15 donation. <laughs> and it's the greatest thing on the internet right now. So if you click on the link, you'll get to see some really great examples of what they've created for people. But here is just like a snippet of the article. Oh, and I got it from Board Panda. That's where I found this. So the Wisconsin Humane Society attends to 40,000 animals each year and relies on donations to make all of that work possible. 
And to make sure that it reaches its goals, the organization launches a new fundraiser campaign like all the time. And they just launched one on the 25th of February. And the caption of the post that they used is, it's time to put the fun back in fundraising. If you donate $15 to the animals at WHS, we'll draw your pet. And it says, we have a pool of staff volunteers standing by, eager to turn your animal into a timeless work of art, or at least make you laugh. You might get one of our extremely talented artists, but we'll be honest, you'll probably get someone who can't draw their way out of a paper bag. (laughs) And people were captivated by this. They're like, what, draw my dog like a three-year-old would? Like, yeah, take my money. (laughs) And the results were just hilarious. There's like dogs that have ridiculously long necks or there was this really cute one where someone sent in their dog in a Superman costume. So they drew their dog really badly with markers like flying over buildings like Superman. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I see that one. I clicked on the link. These are great. (laughs) And like some of them are really good. Like some of them really are works of art. So it was really cool. It was a neat idea for fundraising. And I wanted to share it in case anyone had an organization that they needed to raise money for. I thought it was super creative. Yes. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I would totally pay 15 bucks to have somebody send me a drawing that Aurora could do of like Herc and Percy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I just looked at their Facebook page too. And on... February 26th, it says, due to overwhelming, amazing responses, submissions have been closed. They raised $12,000. Oh, my, 12, gosh. Oh my gosh. That's so yeah. cool. So, like <laughs> Bev said, <laughs> this might be a good idea for your fundraiser. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think I'm going to send this to our Humane Society and volunteer to be one of the artists. <laughs> <laughs> and my medium is going to be watercolor or crayon oh (laughs) i don't know which is gonna create more hilarious results (laughs) (laughs) i like you know a good colored pencil so if i was gonna do that i think that would be my medium because you can come in such a variety of color like like crayons yeah (laughs) all right so uh send us your can't evens you can do this by dropping them in the facebook group uh, via Facebook Messenger, Instagram, or email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com because we are now reading those on our mini-sodes and they're super fun to share. So if you stumble across something on the internet that is funny or weird, uh, send it our way. And be sure and leave us a review. We'll read our favorite Apple Podcast review of the week every week on an episode. And at the end of the month, we take all the reviews that we read and we draw a random winner and send them an awesome coffee mug that Sam makes that is not in the shop and will never be in there. Yes. And I do want to point out that I think the last two months I've messaged you and you have not gotten back to me. And I think it's because my message is hiding in your like on like your messages because we're not quite friends mutually or your account's private. So um, this month's winner is leave it to me. And I did go look and your Instagram is private and we're not friends. So I'm going to send you a message um, or reach out to me first, whatever happens. So I can make sure you get your mug because you guys work hard when you write these reviews out and we really appreciate them. So we want to give the winner their prize. Oh, yeah, for sure. And in fact, maybe uh, anyone who hasn't claimed their prize, maybe we can post something in our Facebook group. And maybe they'll be likely to see it there. Yeah. Yeah, because we want to make sure we get those to you guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, This week's review, the first one of March, is from Six Paws Farm. And the title is A Must Listen for Farm Folks. And she or she writes, I'm not going to (laughs) assume. I don't know why I've taken so long to write a review because I love this podcast so much. Bev and Sam have created a community of support for farming folks of all levels through real life experiences, research, and humor. Oh, and the beer and wine. It's a true happy hour for sure. Can't say enough about how I've not only learned from these ladies, but I don't feel as alone or as judged about my own farm or and not having everything perfect. 
I feel like Sam and Bev are my farm friends, even though I've never met them and they have no idea who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for an awesome podcast. Well, thanks for an awesome review. That was so thoughtful. Oh, I love it. (laughs) We really do enjoy those guys. And here's the thing. As soon as we get one and one of us notices, we screenshot it and send it to get to each other so we can read it. And we're always like make comments like that's so nice. Like we have the best listeners. So it really does have an impact on us when you send these and we do read them. Oh, yeah. Every single one. So just a few housekeeping items. Uh, Coop Camp 2020 is in Indianapolis, Indiana. Well, right outside of there. Um, And it is June 5th through 7th. We will be there, which means you should be too, because we want to meet you. And be sure and hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen, because that helps more people like you find the podcast. And do us a favor and share this episode over on Instagram and your stories and tag at Drink and Farm. We will send you a promo code just for that episode that will give you a percentage off in our shop. And I've seen quite a few people over the last few weeks take advantage of that. So mm-hmm. that is something we actually do. So take advantage. It is. Mm-hmm. Those are our savvy listeners. Yes. <laughs> Make sure that you take a look at the show notes to find links to the articles that we discussed and a survey to tell us how we're doing and all of our social media goodness and our merch shop. Yeah, so thanks, guys. We hope you learned something new today that will make your life a little easier. Yeah, I think uh, roosters are a problem everybody ends up having eventually in their chicken keeping journey because it's just so tempting to hatch them or take the straight run yeah so we hope that this helps you find a way to manage that just a little more sanely on your farm (laughs) yeah (laughs) so until next time drink farm and and give give zero zero clucks bye guys We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things.